we did, it was only one. So, anyways, uh, my name is Adam Pratt. I'm the uh, head writer, owner of ArcadeHeroes.com, and joining me as before is Sean McDermott from All Castle Games. Hello, Sean. Hello. How's it going? Good. How have you been for the past year, or however long it's been since we did this <laughs> last? I guess I don't know. God, it's been some. Yeah, it's been a year. I've been uh, busy. Good. That's busy, good. busy, busy. Um, trying to make a Skype recorder podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess that's always the trouble when you. Uh, wait too long between recordings as you kind of forget what settings you had or programs will change and update and all that stuff and then things don't work like they're supposed to um yeah, so. yeah it's been so long i don't even remember what we talked about anymore <laughs> i just took a quick look and it looks like the last time was actually in april of last year holy was, um, episode number 13 so that makes this number 14 Forty and episodes, so maybe maybe by like twenty twenty we'll be at seventeen. Yeah, that's super professional. <laughs> I can see the deals being signed right now. <laughs> Big contracts. I've, I've been over on Canada's podcast a couple times. Uh-huh. I've done that. I've been I'm a trader. <laughs> oh, I see how it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, uh, it's been busy. Um, you know. Same old, same old. We got some new games. I don't. Did I have Jurassic Park last time? I don't remember. I, I got a Jurassic Park. Can't remember what I'm seeing here. It says we mainly talked about Midwest so. Gaming Classic. So yeah, was did, that yeah. before or after? I got a Jurassic Park um, from Raw Thrills. I got the standard. I mean, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Earns pretty. Earns okay. You know, still gets beat by Barber Cut, but we'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> <laughs> But, Not in my um, case. My Jurassic Park takes on Keymaster and iCube to combined and still crushes I, them under its I, iCube. Come on. Well, it's, this it's all it's all the same crap. It's just a different way of trying different rig games to win prizes. So <laughs> doesn't really um, matter what face you put on it. I mean, we used to have a barber cut, but it didn't do any different than Keymaster or you, the iCube did. You gotta go in there and cut the rope a little bit for them, you know, to get them started. That's what I do. <laughs> hey, tune into this podcast for secrets of rigged games. <laughs> <laughs> well, that thing is so broken. I don't think it's rigged anymore. Um, it doesn't work right. <laughs> it just does whatever it wants. Tell um, us where to find this game, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Final Act Cinema. There you go. <laughs> I got two of them, and uh, yeah, they they're. Decent machines, actually. Um, oh, good. I only have one Keymaster. That's weird. But yeah, I've been buying, uh, you know, the Chinese crane machines from coast to coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, God, what? Are, I'm trying to think. We've gone through so many games. It's, uh, you know, everything. Uh, we have a Ghostbusters pinball. I don't know if I talked about that last time. I can't remember. It, I mean, did you have that when we did the podcast with Ben Heck? I don't know. I think so. See, I talked about some of the stuff with Canada, so it's like I'm getting confused. (laughs) I think I lost part of my brain this last year. Old man um, confused. (laughs) I realized I was doing this for 20 years. (laughs) Congratulations. I guess, but, uh, 
Yeah, it just went so fast. It's like 2017 already. Right? Yeah. So. So that means you started in 97? Yeah. Probably before that, actually. Gotcha. I started... I started when PlayStation 1 came out, so that's 95. 95, yeah. Yeah. Or but 94 if you count Japan. But, um, but um, I started working at Namco in 97, so damn. Yeah. There you go. Uh, maybe next week. Uh, I'll be in adult diapers by next podcast. So we're going. Um, so there's been a lot of new games. Um, I see that it's like uh, 1995 all over again. Speaking of 1995, um, mm-hmm. we have Daytona, which originally came out in 1995, around the time I started. Uh, 94. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, it was, I, well it's, a, it's all more 94. I remember it 95 when I started. That's cool. Well, that's so. when the games were mostly being played when people would come across them was when it when cruising came out around that same time well, too yeah they, they were all technically 1994 releases but i mean daytona had legs for quite a long time hell i um, think still does <laughs> yep and same thing with cruising and so uh yeah with this year you've got the battle of cruising usa versus daytona championship usa which recently dropped the three from the name Although right now, Cruise and Blast is shipping. They started shipping out last month in <clears throat> yeah, December. Yeah, I've seen some already. And I'm actually going to have some uh, a pair tomorrow. I'm finally getting them in. So uh, it took a little bit longer. I would have had the opportunity to get them uh, last month. Uh, I had first dibs. But I didn't have all the money it takes. Uh, that's one of those things... Uh, if you finance, you have to pay shipping and taxes, and when you're buying oh. two expensive games, that gets very pricey. So, mm. had to. What What do they retail at, or can't you tell me? Oh, they're in the. I'm trying to remember what Saint it was Elf for. Page. It was. It was lower than that. I want to say seventy two hundred. Okay. And so it was actually actually a fairly decent price. In fact, I think. They're lower than the supercars were when the dedicated supercars came out, just by a few hundred so. bucks. So uh, that's not too bad. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of like enclosures too. So yeah, yeah, you kind of have a little bit of a cockpit feeling going from it, even though it's not a fully enclosed thing. It's kind of narrow on the back, but it still gives you a, a cool kind of feeling, and so. I have heard that the game is earning very, very well out there, but I haven't seen any numbers or anything official like that, but I'll get to see for myself here pretty soon. They always, they always pick the best locations in the world for that, thought, yeah. you know. I mean. Let's not tell anybody this is on a cruise ship where nobody had any other options than to play this game. <laughs> well, you know, some boardwalk place where they have, you know, 10,000 people walk through there a week or something, you know? So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, versus, you know, us, or maybe you. I mean, you probably got more numbers than I do, like for people at that mall than we have around here. But mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. What, what size is your city down there? Well, it's all combined with Salt Lake and a bunch of other small cities, but 
Um, everybody kind of just thinks of it all as the same thing. I think if you were to break it down by city, you'd be around 100,000, but if you combine everything together, I'm pretty sure we're over a million within the region. Yeah, that's huge. So, uh, I think we got like 58,000 here. Right. <laughs> yep. And then we have Milwaukee, which is a war zone. And then, uh, <laughs> Um, you know, we got Green Bay, but Madison's decent for games. But, mm-hmm. You know, I'm in the middle. We just kind of run stuff everywhere. So, yeah, you know, but it's hard for me to make those things work. Mm-hmm. You know, because we have the traffic is lower and it's just Jurassic Park does OK. But, you know, I, I think we would do better in, if it was at your place. You know, I mean, obviously, but, you know, yeah. but it's a nice game to have. So. Yeah, like I said, for me, it's been my number one game since I got it. I don't think it's ever been topped by anything, including Star Wars. And so uh, it's it's a pretty strong house. But were you uh, strong on redemption? Any of these new redemption pieces that have come along that have caught your fancy or that you've got your hands on that have done really well? Um, you know, I we do a lot of, we don't really do redemption. We do like you know, merchandisers like claws and stuff, but sure. we don't really. I, I want to break into more ticket redemption. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it's it's like the locations we have. It's not really suitable. So, sure. but um, I've seen some stuff, you know, but it's all just variations of Keymaster still. I think. Yeah, that's um, all. With, that's oh, all we did get a really. we did get a Flappy Bird, oh. uh, merchandiser version. Oh, how'd that do? I've been curious about that. It does okay. It, you know, the Giga Crane beats it. Right. I mean, no, nothing can beat a Giga Crane. I mean, <laughs> except for the E Claw. And I know the the Claw players that I talk to, they hate those, but mm-hmm. they people put money in them. You know, what are you gonna sure. do? Yeah. And um, but it does not bad. It's it's hard to tell because that location is one of our busiest, and everything is played. Uh-huh. You know. So, we have our Ghostbusters there, and it actually seems, you know, profitable. We make a couple hundred bucks of it a month, which is rare. Yeah, <laughs> for, uh, for a pinball machine, that's not bad at all. No, so, but I mean, Ghostbusters is a great pinball, though. I mean, it's hard. <laughs> you know, it's got that wide flipper gap. People yeah. lose their money fast. Um, so I think maybe in the future I'm only going to buy Shredal games with a wide flipper gap just because <laughs> they earn more money. Secrets of pinball. <laughs> It's, I don't know. That's evil. I'm sorry. <laughs> Denounce yourself, good. Sean. Denounce yourself. Yeah, I don't know. Gotta stop money grubbing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is I mean, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, I, I've been a little bit sore on Stern just because I feel like some of their choices and themes isn't really aiming to make money on location. Isn't good for operators. It's only good for collectors. And no, I mean, if you're a collector, that's fine and everything. It's just for us in the on the business side of things to want to buy one of these games. I mean, they're becoming very very expensive at this point. The uh, even the standard or pro models of pinball machines, the prices have gone up by a couple thousand dollars, and so you yeah. need to make that money back. Otherwise, I mean, nobody's gonna make a living off of bad investments. Yeah, they they seem to have priced they're start they're pricing out the ops and it sucks. Yeah. 
Um, Ghostbusters is like kind of like one of the last ones that kind of works for us. Mm-hmm. Like Aerosmith, they raised the price again. They raised it for Ghostbusters, which I was fine because I mean it's not it's right around the same price as what we pay for the Flappy Bird. And then now it's getting to the point where it's like, well, now like a Keymaster and a Flappy Bird are cheaper, and I'm like, well, why would I get this, which makes less, and it has this theme which I can only use at half of. Anyway, I mean, Aerosmith is okay, you know, but we have a lot of Christian-based pizza chains and stuff now, mm-hmm. and I can't have half of any of the things they're selling, to be honest. Um, right. And, and that's another consideration that we have a problem with, with Raw Thrills in the in the Walking Dead, which is a great game. I'm not going to knock on it. So far, what I've seen, but um, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's like, well, how many how many locations are we eliminating because of the theme? And sure. With with Stern, you look at their lineup. You have an old right now. They have Aerosmith, right? It just came out. Yeah. Um, Batman sixty six, which is outrageously priced, and it appeals to old farts. No offense. Well, Aerosmith and, uh, does too, really. When you yeah, kind of. But there's some cool music in it, you know. I mean, you hear those songs, and it, you know. I mean, maybe I'm an old fart now, but uh, <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I guess I've been doing this for twenty years, and it's like. Um, Oh gosh, it's like um, it's there's not a lot. I mean, especially if you have you know family friendly entertainment center, you know sure. kind of thing. Sure. And then the alternative is you know we go to Jersey Jack, right? Yeah. And it's like, and dialed in is fine for that. You know they just released dialed in, and it's a great machine. It plays awesome, but the price is nine thousand bucks, and it's like, I, that's not even feasible you know i mean you're getting to the point where i can have one cruising blast for that you know that and And some change but i mean i have been curious i mean i've heard anecdotal evidence that jersey jack pinball machines have earned out earned stern machines but that's not never seen any numbers to confirm anything along those lines and it probably can, depends on the which exact theme it probably depends on the location uh, i can i can tell you for a fact that's not true i know two operators that had wizard of oz's mm-hmm. and i'm not going to name them but one was in minnesota mm-hmm. and it earned great for the first week it mm-hmm. did double you know for the first month or so mm-hmm. but then it dropped because the machine had problems. And once the people get sick of it, they get sick of it. Mm-hmm. Then they had another one in, in Wisconsin. There's not that many of them either on the location either. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it gets pulled pretty quick. It, it's kind of like this fad thing, you know? And Yeah. But at the end of the day, it just kind of levels off, and it's the same as any other pinball machine, like they all are. And it's like it doesn't matter which one I put on location – it could be a brand new star, and if I have LEDs in an old machine, you know, it'll look the same, mm-hmm. and it'll earn the same. And we just got a slugfest in from Williams. It's a pitching bad. Yeah. And uh, I could put that in the same location this Ghostbusters is in, and I guarantee you I will still make that 200 bucks. And so the logic is not really there. The only reason I have the new pins is because I like them, to be honest. <laughs> And um, I play them, you know, so so it's cheaper than having it in my house. But um, sure. it's it's not they, – they don't seem to care about the operators anymore, and it's it's unfortunate. And someday they're going to need us again. 
Uh, and I there's think that'll seems... be someday would be coming up pretty quickly here. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's not like they've ever been mean to us. You know, they've always treated us. I mean, they've treated me fine. You know, they've they've catered to some of the things that we wanted, like auto start and stuff. And but the pricing and the and the theme choices, and you know, they're making business decisions. Uh, excuse me, decisions, and it's um, you know, they're making it. That's their market now, and it's not us. And I don't. It's kind of our fault, and it's kind of not. It's it's just. Well, you know. as I've mentioned before, I think if you were to focus on making a game that would please operators, then it would end up making collectors happy as well. Because when you look at the '90s, back when pinball machines were designed more with the operator in mind than the collector. I mean, all of those machines are now super collectible items, um, and, but they weren't designed thinking of collectors first. They were designed thinking of operators first. Now, I understand that mentality still does exist for, for these machines, although, to be honest, when I see a theme like Aerosmith, I, that just does not say to me that that's thinking of an operator at all, or even Batman 66. You know, no. Just like you said, it, it doesn't really appeal to the operators at all. Um, I mean, the Hobbit, that had potential there. It's just I think it came a little too late because had it landed when the first movie had landed, it probably would have been able to uh, capitalize off that, but coming in when it did, it was just a bit late. Um, dialed in, since it doesn't have to be tied to any license other than Pat Lawler's name, I, I'm going to be very interested to see how that performs um, overall. But like you said, it's it's a difficult side of the well, business. That um, Steve Bowden and then uh, Bro Do You Pinball did a live stream of Dialed In, mm -hmm. and they played it. And Steve Bowden's pretty good. Yeah. I think he's like number fourth or something in the world. I mean, he's up there. And uh, you just see it actually properly being played. It's definitely a decent game. It reminds me a little bit of Funhouse, a little bit of everything that Pat Lauer has done. And um, sure. it's a great machine. It's And it's just that the price is just not – and it's built good. At least you're getting your money's worth. But it's – the price is just too high for making any kind of return on investment. It's just – you know, maybe you can resell it, but – you know, if this market takes a dump, then what? You know, I I just don't see I don't see a possible return for us on it. And it's just not for nine thousand bucks. I mean, I think there might be a standard edition that's around eight thousand, but I don't buy any eight thousand dollar pinball machines. It's just it's it's a smaller device. It's not it's not a, really a huge attraction piece unless you have a hundred of them in one location. Right. Um, I know Tilt. You ever heard of Tilt Studio? Yeah. It's a new. Um, they have, you know, rows of pinball now. You know, they're opening these new places, and they have a nice, decent row of pinball machines. And you know, that sort of thing can be an attraction for pinball players as long as they're well maintained. And but you know, profit-wise, I don't know. Even I know you hate Redemption, but you know, Level Two Five Seven is has a lot of pin. <laughs> oh, don't hate! Don't hate! Don't be hating on me, like. Level 257, you know, of level 257, correct? In yeah. Chicago. Yep. Um, they've, they've tried to survive. And I noticed last time I was there, they, and they have a lot of pins, you know, and they're getting some new ones, which is good. That's a good thing. Um, but they, they have added redemption, just so you know. 
and I think it's it it's a sign that they might be looking for more money um, when they because they started adding all of Namco's redemption pieces. So Barber Cut, uh, Drop the Hook, I think it's another one, right? Um, yeah. Th- they've added all that stuff to level two five seven, and uh, that's I kind of a telltale they sign. Had that there, to be honest. No. No, when I when they first came, I was there when it first opened, and they had no redemption. And I was kind of leery of this, you know, because I've I've seen this before in 2000. In, the, in 2001, Namco tried this same thing in this town that I live in, and they tried a location like you do, where it's no redemption, and it, you know, you got either you got something going on there, you know, but they didn't put they put mediocre bids <laughs> into. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just a front, since you can't you, believe it. No, not that. No, you said you got something unique going on. Uh-huh. Like, it's not like there's drug dealing going on. <laughs> I know what you meant. But I saw this thing. I mean, but see, there was no nostalgia at that time, really. You know, arcades were kind of this, you know. But that's the thing arcade. is everywhere, with even with Redemption Super Centers, they didn't do very well around 2000 through 2005, really. I mean, everybody that managed to survive held on, but... You know that that was a difficult time in the business overall. I mean, it's tough. You have to, <clears throat> you know, there, if you have good video games, there's a higher potential of a higher profit, right? Because there's no product. You know, that barber cut we have makes more money than the Jurassic Park, right? Mm-hmm. But it also gives out one third of its profits go back to the customer, right? So it's you know, it's not really profit. It's like one third of its earnings go to payout. Right. And um, so, but even then, the third that we get is still better. You know, so it's it's a fine line. But if you have a good video game, you have a higher potential because you don't have to give out that product. Uh, you know, that that extra cost that you know that. But it's you also have to pay for the dog video games. You know, so. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to name names, but they're out there. And uh, <laughs> the ones that you bought and you go, God damn it. And I just wasted, you know, X amount of dollars on it. I'm not even going to. And uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll buy it from you when you get really mad. I'll trade you initial D5 for it. How's that? <laughs> trade me a couple of Daytonas and a Walking Dead. That'll work. Uh, well, you know. Really, I can't believe the thing doesn't make you any money. No, it does okay. Um, it actually is almost. I'd say it's almost on par with where Keymaster, the Keymaster, is. But uh, yeah, it's never. It, it's it gets close to being a number one game when a Star Wars movie comes out, but you can't pay back a thirty thousand dollar game based on. Uh, annual Star Wars movie releases. So, well, uh, but maybe maybe it's giving you some sort of draw appeal that you're not really. No, did you notice? That's why uh, that, that was something I got it for in the first place. I I knew that it would probably be a little difficult. Uh, I wasn't expecting it to pay itself off in a year or anything like that. Um, but I knew that it was a piece that would bring people walking by in at least and then oftentimes they would go and find something else that they would want to play like jurassic park so i mean as a marketing piece a marketing prop um there's value there that's not really quantifiable um right 
and I, interestingly enough, I did something that I was advised not to do by Eugene Jarvis, actually. Um, he, he suggested I not lower the price on it, and I didn't for a long time, but when uh, Rogue One came out a few, well, about a month ago, I tried it. I tried lowering the price down to a dollar to start and 50 cents to continue, and it's actually improved just slightly, not by leaps and bounds, but it has done better. And so I think with that game, well, regardless of the game and the technology, um, the there there's that barrier, that price barrier, because um, I had started off with at two dollars an hour or not an hour, sorry, a play, and it got played. It's just there's a lot of people that will not play that a game for that, or they won't come back. They'll do it once, uh, they won't continue, and then they won't play it again because they're like, ah, eh, well, I got enough out of it, but I didn't feel like it was worth that $2 a pop. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those motion simulator things that we used to have, yeah. um, motion theaters. You know, you play them once, hey, it's awesome, and then, nah, you know, I played it. Right, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, but We do have a motion simulator, too, that Allied Tank Attack, and it's done... It started no, off. I'm talking about like strong. the Mad Wave Theater, the thing you sit back in. It's just nothing but a roller coaster ride. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I used to have a tsunami with uh, oh, multiple yeah. games in it, and it had I think four roller coaster rides. But I was I was constantly amazed by how much more the roller coasters were played over the interactive video games like Mech Warrior Four. Um, or Crimson Skies, and I, I was always surprised by that. Then, of course, the thing broke down. But uh, yeah, that thing was a nightmare. <laughs> yes, it was. But I've seen yeah. I've seen them some of them recently in a junk pile. <laughs> if it makes you feel I'm not better. surprised. Well, I was out in Wisconsin Dells, but um, well, it, yeah. Did, what you can do to like, did you track your overall sales like in general when you got the see, like yeah. when you got the Star Wars? I mean, did, it, it probably drove sales up overall yeah, in the location, it did. right? So it did, yeah. and so that and that's where where I said I knew that there would be an effect like that. That's difficult to know if that's all attributed to Star Wars or if there was something else uh, that we had causing that. But overall, I mean, it's very easy to market. People see it. They know what it is instantly. Um, we actually also did another thing which uh, probably helped the earnings, and that's we removed the door off of the side because it's, it's bizarre and it kind of bugs me, but uh, <laughs> how many people are absolutely baffled when they approach the thing and they don't know what to do with it. They think you have to crawl under it or they think it's impossible to get inside and I'm just, just like... put a big open sticker with an arrow. Well, it already has one. That's the thing that's really annoying is it has a huge open sticker that's red and white pointing straight towards the handle and just every single day we would have people, multiple people, that would come across it for the first time and they would be absolutely perplexed by it. And I mean, even when you would guide them, it's like, it's on the left, you'll see the handle right there and they would still get confused. And you know, when they finally figured it out, they figured it out. But all you have to do is remove that plastic shell and then it's not yeah. as bad. It still happens. Bizarrely enough, I had a guy today telling his kids, no, that one's broken. And I'm just <laughs> No, it's not broken. It's just fine. Um, and it doesn't look as nice having the because I couldn't remove the bar. There's there's a bar handle that goes across that 
piece and I tried to remove it, but I started stripping the bolts because they were put oh. in so well um, that I just had to leave it there um, without, say, cutting it off, uh, I guess. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, th those things so seem to have helped. But again, Jurassic Park easily earns three three to four times as much as Star Wars does week in, week out. Yeah, that's when we looked at, I looked at getting Star Wars or Jurassic Park, and um, I think the deciding factor was uh, Jurassic Park was a two-player game, and which means you yeah. can earn twice as much. At yeah, same time, you know. that, that's a big part of it. <clears throat> I mean, there's some things I personally think that Star Wars could have done a little better, just some small tweaks, and I've mentioned this to Namco several times, but uh, I know it costs money to make any changes to it, and of course you've got Disney and Lucasfilm, all that that all have to have a say, and that's where you had the uh, $5,000 single level upgrade. Um, <laughs> but to me, just some uh, simple uh, tweaks to the software, um, some improvements with the leaderboards make it a little bit more social, a little more competitive as far as trying to go for scores and things like that. Um, would have helped it just a little bit. As it is, I mean, the only time you see your score is after you're finished, and then there's no way to pull up the, those leaderboards ever again. And so whoever came up with that part of it, I don't know what they were thinking. But anyways, uh, so yeah, that's well, Star Wars. We'll move on from that, and hopefully Cruisin' will be something that will live up to the hype. Well, I mean, I have faith in raw thrills, so I don't want to sound like I'm promoting them. I, <laughs> well, I, it's hard not to because they obviously are the number one game developer in the arcade business, and they have been for, I'd say, at least a few years easily. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it was Sega when I really got started in the business, but it's transitioned more over to, to raw thrills. And, I mean, you just look at their output lately. I mean, they've got more games in manufacturing right now than they've ever had before. You've got Cruisin' that's coming off the lines. You have Space Invaders Frenzy. Uh, you have uh, The Walking Dead. Um, they're about to launch Choppy Wood, um, a Redemption game um, that we mentioned on the Arcade Hero site before, and it was at EAG. Um, and then they've got uh, MotoGP still right. coming off lines. I've heard mixed stuff about that one. Um, and then today I got a picture from EAG, and I reached out to both developers about this, but they haven't responded yet. But uh, Enjoy Motion and Raw Thrills have joined together to make a game called Splash, which looks to be a jet skiing racing game. And so... Mm. Um, I only got a picture of it from the side, so it wasn't straight on, so it's not the best, but uh, I'll be posting that on Arcade Heroes here soon and hoping to get more information about it, but uh, they've got that too. And then, of course, they've also been doing a bunch of stuff for Namco. They did Galaga Assault last year, World's Largest mm -hmm. Pac-Man. Apparently, Galaga was on the World's Largest Pac-Man there at EAG, so that might finally be making its way to that game as it was originally shown. So, I mean, they've been very, very busy producing a lot of content. And obviously there's other things going on behind the scenes that they don't 
talk about until it's ready. Um, I do know there's one uh, that Eugene Jarvis did confirm to me. They will test sometime. I don't know when, but um, that new Robotron-like game that was released for the PS4 called Next Machina, or Machina, um, are <laughs> going to do a, an arcade. They're going to at least test an arcade version of that. Engadget.com actually had an article which showed a rendering of a potential arcade cabinet. Um, with joysticks? Yep, dual joysticks. Oh, dear. Um, but but they're more like the um, the joysticks like on Star Wars Trilogy Arcade. At least that was in the... This, again, this was a mock-up. I reached out to Eugene uh, and another uh, person. Those are like the hack... Those are like the happy yoke controllers? I think whatever, so. Like, like the, the flight sticks or whatever? Yeah, they're, they're a little closer to flight sticks. They're, they're thin, they're taller, they have trigger and uh, a trigger and a thumb button. Yeah, the, they use parts of those on the Jurassic Park yeah. guns. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's basically what they look like. But again, the, when I reached out to them, they said that the Engadget article wasn't completely accurate, and they didn't say what was inaccurate in that article, so I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> but I do know for certain that they are going to test this out. Um, so whether or not it will do well enough on tests to warrant manufacturing, that's another question. But, I mean, they also have Killer Queen Arcade, which has been very weird to me. I talked to one of their sales reps about this at IAPA, and they told me that it hadn't been released yet, even though the VP of Rothrills had said that it was released back in March, uh, sometime between March and August. And I do I know that's location. Out. Yeah, and that's the thing too that I was very surprised to hear that it wasn't officially out yet because I mean there's tweets from August saying that it was official and I've heard of different locations. I know of one location in Texas that got one. I think there's one in Colorado. I know there's a couple in the Chicago area, I think. Yeah, Logan's has one yeah, and Logan's then... um can't remember if that's the one I played. I, I I can't remember if there. I, I might be wrong. There might only be one there. But either way, there there are some out there, and they are Rothrills builds. And so just well, that, that Logan the Logan one wasn't a Rothrills build. Oh yeah, it was before that. But yeah. I believe they had the software updated because Rothrills did change the software slightly. Um, <clears throat> but either way, I mean Rothrills. I has love that game. A lot of hands of different. Pockets. I'd love that game, but I know it would do bad for me. Yeah, that, <laughs> like, that's the thing is, I mean, I, I was, I had a guy from Reno reach out to me, begging me to get the game and telling me that he would help run um, bracket tournament brackets and build a community. And everything I've heard about it is that it requires the community to really get somewhere because it's not the most approachable game. Um, just by random people walking up to it, you kind of need people to show you how it works. And yeah, you that would have a usually is a disaster. Me. Sorry, go ahead. You would have a better shot than me. You have attendance, right? Right. Have, right. Yeah, yeah I, I do have some regulars. It's just, to me... No, you're, no you're, I, mean, I mean an attendant, like you. You're there. Yeah. Or you're, you have your brother or something work there. Or yeah, something. yeah. There, there's somebody there in the area um, to, to help out and Oftentimes, with Big Buck, people will get stuck on that because they don't read the right. instructions on the screen and then get lost. Um, or, you know, it'll just be a kid who doesn't care about that stuff, just start shooting whatever, and then they get down 
the rabbit hole of menus and not sure what to do. But, I mean, even then, it's like what you said about pinball being too expensive is, I mean... Oh, yeah, that uh, thing's expensive. Killer Queen, I think I was quoted somewhere between thirteen to $14,000. And to me, to make an investment like that, I would have to be absolutely sure that it would be paying that off in a relatively quick fashion. That is, that is too damn high. I don't... There can't be... There can't be that much in that thing that costs that much. Yeah, that's what confuses me about it because it's like, I mean, I've been in the distribution side of the business. I know about markups and things of that nature. On manufacturing side, I haven't seen a lot of numbers. I've heard a few things, though, and yeah, but that's, that's the a same lot price of those, isn't That's <laughs> almost the same price as those cruise and blasts. So, yeah, getting a pair of cruise and blasts. Yeah. yeah, that's not right. I mean, I know there's two cabinets there and everything, but they're running off the same computer. So, I mean, it's half of... I, I would say that game's worth 7000 and that's that's right. it. Right. I think maybe ten, you know, because you get two big cabinets, but well, those cabinets are not that expensive to well, make. Well, and the thing is, is you didn't have a, a huge team putting that together. I mean, as far as I'm aware, it was a very small team of indie guys, um that that put it together so i don't know that there was millions of dollars being put into development behind that it 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 looks like an old game too which is another problem that we're you know you have like with games like sky cursor which is a great game it's just it looks old right and it you can't spend fourteen thousand dollars on a game that looks old i know you have the potential of 10 players spending money at one time but You know, that's a huge potential if you can get it going. I mean, that's, you know... Right, and, and that's where places like Logan Arca- Logan's Hardware has done very well. From what I've heard, they them and um, Ground Control in Oregon, um, they've done very, very well because they do have regulars that will fill up a machine, and with that, you'll be able to, to make some money back. And, and I'm also sure I'm, I'm off on a, on a few things. I'm sure if any of them... Listen to the podcast this far in. I'll be complaining to me about uh, my <laughs> assumptions, and, uh, and I'll and I'll admit, uh, you know, I, I'm working off some assumption here. But the the problem is that with computer gaming or mobile gaming as well, you have the whole indie retro craze of pixel art and all that, and people will play it because oh, that's what's cool right now. That's so hip. Uh, but that does not work in the arcade business. It's like you said, it, it looks old. And the problem is that, and the reason why this doesn't work in the arcade business, why nobody cares when they go into an arcade and they're like, oh, that's so retro, is because you have games that are really from the 80s and the 90s sitting there. But those well, are games <laughs> that, yeah. Well, even a lot of locations like Logan's or yeah, uh, they, a lot they, of these places right. where, I mean, you have the whole fat again with bar arcades and they're filling them up with nothing but these games but the thing is the advantage these games have over new trying to be retro stuff is the fact that there's nostalgia already built in there because people remember playing those games when they were younger they don't remember playing these new games that look old so they're just like oh that's probably something that i missed but whatever i want to play what i'm comfortable with or i want to play something that looks new and so uh, I know with Sky Cursor they've um, 
they I got a sign that it's a new game, and so that helps yeah. on that one. Yeah, they gave you one. <laughs> um, they got mad at me a little bit. <laughs> it's because you're a jerk, Sean. Uh, That's true. <laughs> um, but um, I don't know so if they've done that with, with Killer Queen. Um, and actually, not many games do that. I, I really like it when games do come with some promotional materials. Transformers Human Alliance did come with a standee. That when I had that game, I put it out, and I think that helped it a little bit. Um, Blazing Angels came with a sign that just said "New Game." Of course, I don't have that out anymore because it's not new; it's ten years old. But uh, um, still, just little stuff like that can help, I think. But that's a tangent. well. A sign would help me because they'd rip it off in like a day; it'd be gone. Oh right, yeah. If it's not bolted down, so. Um. I'm bolted down then. <laughs> Seems like work. <laughs> I don't get paid cash money to work. <laughs> I've been studying a lot of Japan's arcades lately, and um, I've I noticed that like a hundred yen, everything's a hundred yen, right, to play a Street Fighter or whatever. Yeah. And if you translate that to like currency to our currency, that's like eighty cents around, mm-hmm. you know. Well, so I mean, they're charging almost a dollar. A game on old games, even, and well, th- that's why they can afford such bigger <laughs> things. Well, it depends. I mean, the Japanese market, I think, right now, from everything I've been hearing, it sounds like it's in a downturn. Um, if you look at the news feeds for Japanese arcades, there's very few announcements about new releases. Most of it's just obsessing over VR stuff, which is not really going anywhere. Um, it's not living up to the hype, like everybody kept thinking it would. But um, and there's not a lot of new game announcements now. This might change next month with uh, the Japanese trade show that's going to happen. Um, I know there's going to be the Attack on Titan game there, and there's the new Magician's Dead. But you're just not seeing the output that you saw, and you also have the dynamic of there's more downloadable games. Those online systems like Nessica or Sega's All.net um, Plus. And uh, so you can download those games, but a cut of that goes to the manufacturer. Um, like Taito makes well, some money off of each time, each play that somebody does. Yeah, but that's the future, man. If we want to have decent arcade games that compete with console, they're going to have to get a cut. I mean, it's just the way it's going to have to be. Well, um, but the the problem is, is for a lot of these, I mean, you have had Nessica for several years now, but it's that also they've not been announcing a lot of new games for that. Now, that is going to change. I know there's Nessica 2 coming out soon, sometime this year, but I don't know. It just seems like I think a lot of I've, – I've read one article of a Japanese operator complaining about – how much how difficult it is for them to get their cut uh, when everything's going digital because they're not getting all of that 100 yen uh, like they used to but then they also have to compete with mobile phones which is big over there um, they have to compete with anything at the, on the home console it's like all the fighters come out to consoles almost day one and so it's very difficult uh, to make that and that's where right now you're seeing a lot more music games getting attention than other genres but um i, I still i, I, I kind of believe in that system as long as it has the proper they just need to like i've always said they need to they need to base it off of our cinemas like movie system where we have release schedules for games yeah and 
we have exclusivity for so much time and they get their cut. I mean, that, that that's part of it. And the American operators complain about the same thing, you know, with Namco and uh, Mario Kart. The new well, not one. anymore, uh, now that that's officially offline. Oh. Right, but I mean, that's what Namco was trying to do, something right. like that, where right. they get, you know, they make a little bit more money, then we get exclusive content, you know, they compete with the consoles. Because if you want to, if you want to compete with the consoles and stuff, you should really work with them. It's not like we should be fighting against them. You know, we should be saying, okay, you can have the new Call of Duty in the arcade for one year, and then we get a cut of it, and then it goes to console, and then you can have the next year's one right away. And if if they learn this lesson, they could make money twice. It is the same way the movie industry does. You know, and the movie industry is all screwed up right now too. But yeah. Um, you know, but there there is that potential for double earnings um, to help because I mean, video games are costing more to make for consoles too, and they're they're gonna hit they're hitting a brick wall as well. Yeah. And, and um, you know, that's why you see stuff like Nintendo, which is Switch is coming out right, and uh, it's basically a repackaged Wii U, I think. But <laughs> that's just me. A little uh, different than that, but uh, well, it, it's I'm not worried about it. But it's a mobile Wii U. <laughs> I don't know. I like it, but I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> the same thing they did with the original Wii and GameCube. They're just doing it again. Um, <clears throat> but that's, you know, I mean, we need to we need to work with them, you know. And a system like, you know, that you're talking, about, what is the name of that system in Japan? Nessica. Nessica. I know there's some weird names. At least that's the, they were trying to do something like that. You know, I know it's not working because everyone's fighting over their grub of the money, you know, but. It, it's it's it may be a necessary evil as long as you get exclusive content that's decent you know the problem is they're just releasing stuff for console anyway and it's it's not working so you need to have a unified system yeah. um, and that's what they've tried and uh, every time it's brought up over here I think most in the industry believe that it won't work just because of how anti online and anti Profit sharing. A lot of operators have been in these states. Um, well, and that's it would take something Namco's talked about with Maxitune Five. Is they said they that's why they didn't bring four overs because uh, they couldn't get the, they couldn't justify it with operators that were willing to put it online. Yeah, I mean Maximum Tune has a really bad reputation around here. I don't know about you, but no. For for players, it's a great game. But for operators, it's a horrible reputation. Yeah. I think, uh, what was the last one? Three? Three DX Plus. Yeah, I had a three, not a DX Plus. I had a three. And mm-hmm. they they had horrible computers in them, and they all died prematurely. Oh. And Namco has the worst, not the worst, but like it's not like Raw Thrills where you can put the install disk in and reinstall the software. You have to send the hard drive off to Namco. and then. Uh. After so much time, they just don't help you, you know. Oh, that, that sucks. Kind of, that kind of stuff sucks, you know, so. Right. Yeah, it does. Um, oh, and then Max Tomb 5 is not for everybody. I mean, they only have 100 sets of four out there, which, and I, yeah, but they said they'd already sold about 80 of them, so it's possible they sold through all of them. Um, but that's not something everybody can afford at, I don't know the exact price. I think I heard it's. I know it's somewhere between somewhere around forty, fifty thousand dollars. So that's more of a Dave and Buster's piece than a operator piece. Well, I mean, Dave and Buster's is an operator. <laughs> <laughs> They're the yeah. largest operator yeah. right now in the states, aren't they? I think so. 
Well, I, I guess if you want to look at it that way, sure. Like, as in, like, well, I mean, they have video games, right? No, they do. I'm just saying that they're, they operate, they're, I think of them more as a chain than an operator, as as far as operators usually going putting equipment into other venues that they don't own. But Well, I mean, yeah, but that's that's still an operator. Sure. I mean, Namco, Namco used to be the largest operator in the States after they consumed everyone else. I don't think they are anymore, but yeah, I'm not they sure. own their, they own their own chain. I mean, it's, they're still an operator. Uh, they're just not like a, a, a route operator or a satellite operator. Like, um, well, that's what I mean. The thing is, yeah. Max Tunes 5 is not for route operators. It's not for mom and pop arcades. Um, it's but for I, I big know, chains. I know, I know traditional operators that have, you know, large FECs too, though. So yeah. that they have, like Lambeau Field, for instance. There's a there's a pub in there with a huge game center, mm-hmm. and um, that's run by someone like me, not me, but someone like me. You know? Right. And it, that kind of thing would be for there, you know. So I mean, it's it's just it's for the large FEC. It's not really for you know, like the old school mall arcade, yeah. maybe, you know, um, you know, back in the day we would have got them, but I don't know nowadays. So well, no, well, uh, and, that, and that's what I mean. I, I, I uh, there, there's a couple of operators I know that were interested in that. And it's just, I know a lot of that's going to be uh, sucked up by particular chains, but regardless, um, yeah, I think it's it's been an interesting year. So. Yeah, yeah, it has. <laughs> so um, we'll see how things go. I mean, EAG's come and gone now, and then we'll have Amusement X. Well, we'll have the Japanese show in about a month. Um, so we'll see what they are going to do there. Um, and then uh, there's Amusement Expo in March. Uh, I know there's changes coming to Namco in April. They're going to change the name again to Bandai Namco Technica. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I need to read more into that. But then, uh, And then I'm also hearing rumors about changes to Sega, but not heard a lot of concrete stuff about that. Well, it's still Sega Sammy or no? Oh, uh, it still is. still Sega Amusements International. Just, uh, it might be more on the Japanese side than the uh, international side. So It doesn't wait. seem like they're doing all that great, to be honest. I mean... Um, I mean, I like Sega. I love Sega, but it seems like they, like the new titles they put out this year, seem like rehashed old titles. Where they they did Let's Go Jungle again, right? And, oh, that yeah, that one was just a new cabinet. And well, they have Daytona. Target, Bra- Target Bravo, and Daytona is supposed to be three, and so we'll see how that ends up when it's finished. Um, and then, of course, Luigi's Mansion and uh, Mario and Sonic Olympics, all that stuff. Luigi's Mansion's an old title, too. It is. Really. It's just brought here. Um, I, I guess Daytona would be... But, I mean, I'll, you almost have to think that that's almost an old title, too, to be honest. It could almost seems like they just 
rehashed. I don't know. I haven't played it, so you've well, played it. Right? I mean, so. really, cruising is too. I mean, all cruising was was Fast and Furious watered down a little bit more. I mean, I'm I'm kind of surprised because there's no brake, there's no uh, shifter. And you don't there's need only five break. levels. No, you don't, but <laughs> you can see how they're watering it down from. They the could have put the simulator. brake pedal on there and have it do nothing like they did in Fast and Furious. Well, no, I, exactly, and I know that's why they got rid of it. But that's what I'm saying is it's it's like Fast and Furious and but like even Fast and Furious had a few more options for um, enhancing your car. I had more tracks, that sort of thing. So fingers crossed, I had a couple more tracks to it. At but some you got to you got to remember, I've been it's, it's Fast and Furious is just cruising remade. Well, no, I I know that. I'm just saying <laughs> they, they did change a few things. The microtransactions. It's like come full circle now. Yeah. And, <laughs> But it's just that even then you can see where they've removed certain things for cruising. I think removing the brake pedal is just funny. I think it's a joke. I think that someone down there in Chicago is having a good laugh about it, to be honest. Well, They're like, yeah, what do you need a, a brake for? Hundred, we don't need a brake. It saves a couple hundred bucks, right? <laughs> this can't be that much. Well, I'm, just, I'm more surprised by the shifter myself uh, than the brake. Uh, I didn't see the being. shifter. What's wrong with the shifter? Is it just up-down? No, it doesn't exist. There's no shifter. Oh, you don't need that either. Oh, again. <laughs> um, you want a game for 7000 bucks or not? I mean, get a little shifter. Get that off. <laughs> well, if you're talking Daytona, you, you can't even mention it with uh, a shifter and have the fans go crazy. So I got someone who could play today that the shifter on drift was only four gears. Oh, really? Five. <laughs> Wow. Then they're like, where's the clutch pedal? I'm like, you don't need a clutch pedal. <laughs> Even You know why there's no shifter? Because no one used the shifter. I mean, to be honest, I mean, the, the, the little kids play that game. That game is designed exactly for the target audience of the game rooms now, which is, you know, 10 and 12-year-olds. They don't yep. need shifters. They don't need brakes. It's, it's well, perfect. And even, they have great market research down there. They do. And they got some guy laughing about there's no shifter. You know, he's... There's probably some guy drinking beer in the back. They're like, yeah, just take that off. I mean, it's Chicago. You know, it's kind of weird down there. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, and like I said, it, it does save on cost. Um, it's just, I'm just simply making an observation about the, well, it's the a good shift observation. <laughs> uh, that we see there and comparing to the but older I mean, games. But, uh, yeah. They have they have great market research. Honestly, they do. Because, yeah. I mean, you look at all the games that they're releasing; they're they're right on the money. Definitely. You know, and it, it this is the time for cruising to come back. It's the time for Daytona to come back too. I'm not mocking Sega. It's just um, I, I worry about them sometimes. You know, so I mean, I love Sega honestly, and yeah. um, it, they just don't seem like they're in their glory anymore. And they've come out with some great redemption pieces, you know, but there not you that go. Great. You know, they're not like they're not up to not up to par with Ice. You know, stuff like that, but yeah, they'll be there soon. So that's uh, been a fun year. I'll see you next year, and uh, yep, I guess that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. We've been talking for a while, so yeah, yes, thank you long. for listening and sticking through, and uh, we'll see you next year or whenever. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to hear more of those uh, these uh, here podcast things, just make sure you. Uh, Give us a shout-out on the Arcade Heroes website there yep. and ask us some questions that maybe we should want us to talk about things, you know, besides sure. what the hell we're doing. Right, just rambling. Rambling. Yeah. Sounds good to me. 
And we're a little rusty at this, so give us a little slack. Yes, um, yes, definitely so. Got how to work this computer. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on ArcadeEros.com, and uh, I'll be signing off. Anything else you want to add, Sean? No, that's it. I'll uh, see you guys around. Thanks for listening. All right.